management to would be just shocked to know how much <laughs> sort of hacky stuff went into building these demos. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> I was exactly in the same place. Welcome to episode 25 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing, the F is for well you decide. As you're probably asking yourself, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott, founding editor of Rockstar CMO, your monthly dose of marketing street knowledge. You can find us at rockstarcmo.com or at Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. This episode was recorded on Friday the 21st of August. I hope you've had a good week, that you're staying safe, well, and as sane as you feel you need to be. And I'm glad you're here. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If it's your first time, thank you for giving us a go. I'm sticking to the usual set list. In a moment, I'll suggest an article from Rockstar CMO that I'd like you to take a look at. I'm then joined by the CMO of Recorded Future, Tom Wentworth who seems to be a brother from another mother as we discuss the power of content marketing and the surprising parallels in our careers from home computing as kids. And again, as it's Friday evening, I retire to the virtual Rockstar CMO bar with my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose. Right, let's get started, shall we? The article I'd like you to take a look at this week is by a man we'll be hearing from shortly, Robert Rose, who, back in the seat at the table issue, wrote The Ordinary Seat at the Extraordinary Table. The reason I picked this out is I love the sentiment of this post. It's really relevant right now. We're all working from home, stuck to our screens and constantly exposed to the hustle. And Robert argues that we need to tune that out, focus on the ordinary, and this can lead to the extraordinary. To quote the article, Robert says, Hustle, be remarkable, be special, live off coffee, sleepies for the week, obsess or be average, differentiate, be extraordinary. Sounds like the rock and roll entrepreneurial lifestyle of today's successful young manager, right? Every day we urge others and we are urged ourselves to do something different than we did the day before. Breathless book titles, blog headlines and motivational speakers alike all tell us that for the young marketing leader to succeed, they must figure out how to create special, unique things and they must do it all the time every single day. It's exhausting. He then goes on to share some statistics of the pressure that this is creating and then says, our push to continuously excel, differentiate and hustle has bred hurriedness into our lives. And guess what? The work suffers as a result. As usual with Robert, he has a customer story to support his hypothesis and shares the experience of an executive that found relief in the mindfulness of the ordinary and how this improves our performance. As usual with Robert, food for thought, well worth a read. I'll include a link to it in the show notes, which you'll find at rockstarcmo.com forward slash podcast. Right, it's time for the interview. And as you'll hear, I've known Tom Wentworth for years, and he featured in Rockstar CMO in one of our earliest issues as part of our regular backstage Q&A series. It's well worth a read. It's an entertaining interview. Tom is a technologist turned product marketer and has been the CMO of a number of marketing technology companies before joining Recorded Future, a security intelligence technology vendor last December. We talk about his background, 
and something that caught my eye as a content marketer, The Record, a digital publication they've just launched. It was great catching up with Tom. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Hi, Tom. Long time no see. How are you doing? Good, Ian. How are you? I'm doing well. Welcome to Rockstar CMO FM. Thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Well, Tom, we did a backstage interview with you back when the publication was fairly new. I think it's quite a while ago. But for people that have not come across you, don't know you, I mean, we've been in the same circle for years, right? Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're doing now, and how you got to be in marketing. Yeah, how long we used to compete against each other, and and now we became frenemies at one point. It was a, bit, it a long relationship. Yeah. Um. So I'm Tom. I'm the chief marketing officer at Recorded Future. We're a security intelligence company. Mm-hmm. Put simply, our mission is to help our customers disrupt adversaries. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's never been a better time to be a cyber criminal. You know, mm-hmm. you can't go a week without seeing you know, what, what these nation state threat actors are up to and the companies are targeting. You know, we published a recorded, recorded future about um, a nation state going after the Vatican in China. Wow. You know, is anything sacred these days? And yeah. the answer is unfortunately nothing. So our right. technology is about helping customers disrupt the adversaries who are looking to do bad things. Right. You know, my background is I've never spent any time at all in cybersecurity before. It's been an interesting learning experience for me. My background, yeah. like yours, has been in content management forever. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's been a fun journey. It's more interesting intellectually, but yeah. I don't know anything about it. So it's, a, it's yeah. a whole new experience for me. I think it's I think it's great to dip into something brand new, isn't it, with your career like that, and 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 apply what you've learned before to this brand new space. It sounds really exciting. Um, but like me, you're a former techie, right? Former developer. In fact, I think you had a. <laughs> Isn't it you that had a Texas TI ninety nine A or B when you were a kid? Yeah. So uh, I went from so when I was in grade school, I, I fell in love with computers from an Atari four hundred, mm-hmm. and in particular playing lemonade stands. Yeah. And then my you know then I had an Atari twenty six hundred, of course, playing all the the terrible games on Atari twenty six hundred. But yeah. when I wanted something better, my parents mm-hmm. said, "We're not going to buy you a better." game console we're going to buy yeah. you a computer and learn to program your own nice. so i got a ti 994a with the compute magazine yeah. and every every month there'd be a new couple of games you could go program yeah sort of, i love yeah. i love this i love this because i did exact. i mean we're across the ocean from each other right um and that was exactly my my experience as well with a ti ti 994a too and keying in um programs that you got on the back of um computer magazines as well to create games in the early days (laughs) in the later days they had checksums so if you did it wrong you could see but debugging taught you a lot about programming so i went to school for computer science after that and i went from a ti 994a to an ibm portable pc i had a family member who worked at ibm and I was able to make the ROI with my parents because I wanted to program Monopoly and yeah. I couldn't figure out how to get all the Monopoly cards into the memory of the team. Like it just to create yeah. a basic array with all the cards was too much. Yeah. So there yeah, you go. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, we can't go at this pace throughout your whole career. Otherwise we're going to be here for a no. while, but that, I it's, love it's, that. It was I love exciting that in stuff. the beginning and then it was yeah. then a whole bunch of nothingness. <laughs> you know, and then I went from being a sales engineer to being in marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think 
sales engineers are often the closest in sales to marketing because we're the mm -hmm. ones who get yep. thrown over all the materials and we're the ones who can yeah. call BS on yeah. marketing. So yeah. I, I sort of, I had a natural relationship with marketing and one day went from being an SC to being a product marketing and then from product marketing to being CMO, mm -hmm. um, not intentionally, just sort of mm -hmm. happened that way. Yeah. Uh, my first love is still being a sales engineer. It's still nice. the job I, I miss the most, yeah. but, um, I like, you know, I, I can't believe how similar we are because I did exactly the same thing. I went from yeah. being an SE, I went into product marketing. I actually took a little turn and became a bit more techie and became a CTO for a little while. But then I went straight back into being, uh, you know, product strategy, product marketing, all that kind of good stuff. But I agree with you. I think when you're an SE, it's such a, you're doing, there's such a range of things you do. You're coding sometimes, you're presenting other times. Uh, you're creating material for the client other times. It's, it's a fantastic job. It's a great place to start if you're in our industry. Yeah. And I was a great SE, not just because I could talk a little bit, but I would hack together the, the craziest mm -hmm. demos that would maybe work one time. <laughs> I honestly remember one demo where it, the, the product would crash at some point in the demo and we knew it would crash every time. Yeah. I had one of my colleagues sitting at another table networked into my laptop who we get to a certain point in the demo would restart the service that would crash so we could oh sort of seamlessly my. get through it oh my all God. these customers i sold content management to would be just shocked to know <laughs> how much sort of hacky stuff went into building these demos yeah i know exactly <laughs> i was exactly in the same place in a different camp to you doing the same thing probably to the same customers <laughs> That just makes me laugh. I don't, um, think, but, I don't think they do that anymore. I think we no. were of a different era. I think yeah, now yeah. it's much more above the boards when we were hacking yeah, things well, back together. In, back in the day, the set, sort of software we sold was basically APIs and implementation, wasn't it? You you kind of built the thing out. So it was up to us systems and um, uh, sales engineers to build something on top to make it look nice. And, you know, sometimes yeah. you got a bit creative. <laughs> Taking maybe a few shortcuts. So. <laughs> Well, um, I'll fast forward to now to, to record a future. You've clearly um, got your your marketing thing going on. I don't suppose you're doing much coding there, are you? That sounds incredibly complicated. Um, but what caught my eye recently, um, because I think you're a content marketer as well, aren't you? Um, yeah. Is the fact that you guys have decided to create this digital publication called The Recorded? The Tell Record. The Record, the record by Future. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. Get my facts right. That's a good start. But yeah, <laughs> the record. Tell us a little bit about that because, um, yeah, that's really interesting to me. Yeah. Recorded Future is always, you know, every every marketing team has its superpower. Mm -hmm. you know, some companies are, are great at demand gen and some are, you know, are great at marketing ops and tech. Yeah. You know, our superpower here has always been content. Mm -hmm. And and it was a core part of the strategy that was built well before I arrived. I've been here for about nine months. Mm -hmm. And the team made some early bets on, on like a podcast. We, we mm -hmm. yesterday announced that we have over a million downloads of our Inside Threat Intelligence podcast. Wow. Which is a lot. And that depending upon lot. the week, we're either the number one or two cybersecurity podcast. And I think only Amazon has a higher rated vendor podcast above us. Wow. And our wow. team put, made a bet on it before, you know, back before anyone was doing podcasts, mm -hmm. really four years ago, three years ago. We've been mm -hmm. doing one consistently every week. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, um, so yeah. the team really understood the value of content. And we have this unique, maybe not unique, but we have this secret weapon at Recorded Future, which is this research team we call INSICT. It's a mm -hmm. Swedish word. 
And they are hardcore security researchers who are researching topics on behalf of our clients. And uh-huh. they also are researching topics that often make great content marketing topics. So uh-huh. we have this unfair advantage of having all of because think about how hard it is as marketers to get unique research, right? Absolutely. We pay agencies to do surveys. Yeah. And yeah. I just get it handed to, you know, our team gets it handed to us every, you know, every few weeks or so. Yeah. And we get to then go write about it. So yeah. what we've done in the past is we've taken a lot of this research and we've published this research on our site. Mm-hmm. That's, that's worked incredibly well. You know, this mm-hmm. research has, you know, feeds our PR strategy. So when we announced this, this group called Red Delta in China is mm-hmm. hacking the Vatican. So the Vatican is trying to you know bring back Catholicism into China and yeah. as China will often do, you know, they yeah. wanted to get a little bit of Intel about this. So they were trying to hack the Vatican and <laughs> our research team uncovered this mm-hmm. and, you know, we were able to, to write about it and turn it into a form of content marketing. Yeah. And we actually had that story placed in the wall street journal, um, New York times, Washington post, CNN financial. Yeah. And I think everybody, but, but I think the financial times. So yeah. And it's because nice we part. have these really interesting, unique stories you can only get from recorded future. Mm-hmm. So our hypothesis is that we have this unique, this unique ability. And it's also because our platform and all this research that we do is driven off of our platform. Mm-hmm. The, the inspiration for this whole project is Bloomberg. If you think yeah. about Bloomberg, Bloomberg is the company that makes all of these terminals that, mm-hmm. that all these financial people use, right? Mm-hmm. And the real power of Bloomberg has always been their data. Mm-hmm. And Bloomberg News really became a way to showcase, you know, all of the data yeah. that Bloomberg yeah, yeah. connected, right? So if you think they yeah. look at the history of Bloomberg News, Bloomberg is the largest, I believe, single journalistic entity across the globe, all predicated on their access to this unique data you can get through the Bloomberg terminals. Wow. It's very similar for Recorded Future. Our platform yeah. is all about gathering intelligence. Yeah, our yeah. researchers use our platform to then make, yeah. to do research on that intelligence. And now yeah. we can turn that intelligence into stories. We yeah, actually yeah. called the record, before we named it the record by Recorded Future, we called it Project Bloom. Right. In, 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 you know, in deference to the work that Bloomberg did. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever heard um, Bloomberg being cited as a content marketing story, but you're absolutely right. And I also think that we as marketers, we have to research, right? Whatever organization you're in, you have to research. So I know you're in a unique position because you've got this kind of very special research, but as marketers, we're always researching. So why not share it? Why not actually create, turn yeah. that into an asset and help other marketers, especially you know, with the industry that you used to be in rather than the one you're in now, or the one yeah. I'm in, where we're, we're, we're trying to engage marketers, we're trying to work with marketers, so why not share? Yeah, and, and be intentional about... The problem with, with marketing to marketers is the bar is set so high, mm-hmm. like no one wants to, to hear, you know, it's so easy to get sucked into sort of run-of-the-mill content that everyone already knows. You have to have yeah. a unique story. Yeah. And and we have unique stories because of just the business that we're exactly. in the team that we have. But yeah. if I were to leave, you know, if I were to, the next company I go to, I think having dedicated researchers is something I would always want to have going forward. And it's mm-hmm. a marketing investment. The research team at Recorded Future doesn't live in marketing, but right. it is very much a marketing investment for us. 
Right, right. Nice, nice. I, I love that. And I love the I love the sharing element of it. So how easy was that to, I mean, it sounds like it was just part of your culture, but was that an easy sell to the executive team to invest in? So that? yeah. So let me, so let me take it. I'll give you one more piece of detail. So our strategy has been, you know, we have every quarter or so we have these big stories like this Red Delta Vatican story that we just know if we call up someone at New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post. We know the journalists. They respect us. We have a relationship. Yeah. Our, our head of PR can just call them up and say, hey, we've got this really great story. You're going to love it. And yeah. we give it to them as an exclusive. And, and, that's, and that strategy worked incredibly well. Yeah. And I've never seen a company get as much coverage as Recorded Future has received using that strategy. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing is, and I'll give you the story behind it, we don't even have a PR agency, right? So, wow. you know, our... You know, I was I was in London with our head of communications. We were researching agencies to look at for UK for like having mm-hmm. a a pan yeah. you know European agency. And we were we'd flown over on the red eye and we're tired and we're sitting in a <laughs> conference room. We've taken all these pitches and she yeah. gets up on the whiteboard and she's like, "I want to cancel our PR agency." I'm like, "What? You're you're ahead of you're like this? Isn't this your thing?" And she's like, <laughs> "She's like, yeah. well." To be honest, all the all the, the sort of top tier stories, she's she was pitching herself anyway because yeah. the the PR agency didn't add much in the middle. And yeah. for all of the second tier publications that our agency was pitching, yeah. we sort of we made the bet that there's maybe a better way to reach it. And it's and, mm-hmm. and the idea was to create a more of a magnet. So instead of us pitching stories for other journalists to write about, mm-hmm. the hypothesis yeah. was, what if we hired our own journalists and people will come to us? Yeah. So that yeah, was yeah. the that that red eye meeting that tired meeting on a whiteboard was the genesis of this project bloom which yeah. was let's continue to, to take this approach if we have really powerful stories we're still going to pitch them to wall street journal new york times washington post all the top yeah. tier press but yeah. for everything else let's build our own media empire we already have a podcast yeah. that has a million downloads we yeah. actually have written two physical books wow um, so, you know, you can go to Amazon and buy two physical books so that we update every year. So mm-hmm. let's now just complete our media platform and let's, you know, we, what we don't have is a news publication. So, yeah, yeah. and, and now with the record, we get to take yeah. our engine yeah. and publish, you know, two or three stories mm-hmm. a week from it. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a dream gig, Tom. I mean, I think... To work in an organization that totally gets content marketing and to have an asset that you can use in that way must be must be a gift for you. It is, yes. I mean, it's never easy. It's it's simple, <laughs> not easy. Yeah. Um, and I also have, and this is something that it, you need a CEO if you're going to do something like this. You know, my mm-hmm. my my boss or CEO here has been very supportive of this concept. He's a huge fan of Bloomberg, which helps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, we have the CMO of Bloomberg on our board is how oh, deeply wow. we, uh, we care. Yeah. So that also helps. Yeah. But you can't do something like this. You know, like mm-hmm. every other company, we measure things like share of voice. Yeah. And part of our concern was, you know, by firing our agency, mm-hmm. are we going to drop our share of voice? And the answer is probably, right. but right. does it matter? Yeah, you know, and and that's what yeah. we'll have to figure out. But you know, we had commitment across the organization. We, mm. you know, we had a we hired a very respected journalist in our field. And I'll tell mm. you, you know, journalists have a whole different set of skills than marketers. That's have. true. Mm-hmm. There's, it, like, the, I think the idea is that there's like a big intersection. There isn't. 
Like yeah, they're yeah. marketers, but more than anything, they're storytellers. And the pace yeah. with which a real journalist can work is crazy. Yeah. Like a real oh, yeah. journalist has no problem. I can only write one thing at a time. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. Adam, who's our editor in chief, he's working on 10 stories in any given day. It's crazy. Wow. Wow. I, I'm, I'm impressed with that. I mean, in the early days of Rockstar CMO, we had some proper writers. I mean, now it's like the voice of the community and we, we tend to encourage something a little rawer. But at the beginning, we certainly did um, ha- have some journalists. And you're absolutely right. They take a completely different approach to how a story is constructed and how it's put together and who they talk to and the sources they use. And there's a bit more rigor and it's, it, it creates a better, a very good product. Yeah. And one more important factor for us was just like Bloomberg, if you're in the Mm. marketing team at Bloomberg and you walk down to the news floor, they, you know, their antenna starts going up. They start, what's this marketer doing (laughs) on our floor? Because there is very much this separation of church and state. There's Bloomberg News and then there's Bloomberg Inc., the entity. And it creates some interesting challenges, right? If you're Bloomberg News, do you cover Michael Bloomberg running for president? Mm -hmm. The answer is you don't, mm-hmm. but pretty much anything else is fair game. Mm-hmm. And for us, we had to make a, a couple of really tough decisions, you know, with the record by reported future and with Adam, yeah. Adam is, Adam works for me directly. Adam uh-huh. is on the marketing team, but he's not a marketer. I'm not measuring him by MQLs or, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, ABM metrics or whatever. I'm measuring mm-hmm. Adam by his ability to build an audience for the record. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, there's always the idea is Adam, does Adam, you know, write mm-hmm. about recorded future customers is a question. Mm-hmm. Does Adam break news, you know, break stories about cybersecurity mm-hmm. breaches, right? So there are yeah, certain yeah. things that rules that we've had to put in place. And one of these rules is that Adam is not a marketer for recorded future. You mm-hmm. know, we think that that build, this will help build a brand, which will have an impact on recorded future, obviously. But that's not his charter. His charter is to build an audience with great stories. I love it. I love it. And um, I've done a couple of these myself. So we did Inside CXM when I was at SDL. I did Engaging Times when I was with Ulterian. And then, of course, Rockstar CMO started the same way. Yeah. And um, it's a, and then I won't say which one this happened on, but I would get like the sales team saying, can you promote this event? And, can you, <laughs> and you're like, no, 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 no. This is this is. The yeah. purpose of this is to is to be separate because otherwise, because what we found in our space and you've worked in this space is if we had this off-brand digital publication, then we could engage with influencers, we could engage with analysts, we could we could have a much broader group of people because they felt safe there, right? They didn't feel yeah. like they're going to get sold to or anything like that. So you have to keep that barrier there, otherwise you lose your audience and your and your con- your 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 engaged contributors as well, don't you? Yeah, and you know we've already had. And we've already had other, other like PR agencies pitch us. Like that's, yeah. we, we, we may not accept those pitches, but it yeah. tells you that, that we want Absolutely. this to come across as a separate entity yeah. and we're committed to it. Like this is not a yeah. side content marketing project for us. This is yeah. a core part of our media platform. Like internally we say, and I know everybody says that, but we are a media company and like, yeah we don't make money on advertising and we, it's, it's uh, the beauty of building a media company at a tech company is yeah. we can fund it in other ways. Yeah. But, but we want to build an audience and, and yeah. I'm used to having to rent someone else's audience in yeah. the cybersecurity business. The most common marketing spend is big events. You have these big events yeah. like RSA and black hat. Remember back when we had physical events. Remember when yeah, that yeah, I do, I do, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but but I always feel like I'm I'm renting someone else's attention. 
and mm-hmm. I pay heavily to rent someone's attention, right? It's, yeah. These are yeah. expensive events. Yeah. And, and I feel like if I do this right, if we're committed to it, if mm-hmm. we scale it and build it, I, mm-hmm. I'm going to have, I'm going to lessen my dependence on somebody else's audience because I'm going to own my own. Absolutely. And long-term, I'd much rather be in that spot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is a long-term play too, isn't it? I mean, it's not one of these things that's going to um, pay for itself in three months or six months. You yeah. have to give it, you have to give it a good run. And I mean, it is just like, it's out of like Joe Pulitz's playbook, isn't it? About out of content income, as you know, it's, it's, it's almost word for word. And I think that's brilliant. I really do think that's brilliant. I think a lot of companies, you know, I've tried this before. We were, when I was at, at Acquia back in the day, we yeah. went out and bought a domain called digitaldisruption.com. Yeah. And, you know, this was, this, this was back in the, you know, in the early days of every company needs to, to create, be a media company. And um, I hired a, 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 a journalist, a kid out of school who's now a good friend of mine and who's mm-hmm. had a great career since. And, and I didn't give him enough time to succeed. We ended up yeah. sort of moving on from the project because I looked yeah. at it like a demand gen investment, like yeah. we're, we're not getting, we're not getting yeah. enough audience and, and that's, I will not make yeah, that mistake yeah. again. Yeah. And, and I think the lesson I've learned as a marketer is if you think back in the 2013, 14 timeframe, we all yeah. fell in love with the gospel of the MQL yeah. And in immediate results mm-hmm. and direct response marketing and marketing needs yeah. to be measurable and all that, right? Which is yeah. true. But we lost yeah. sight of marketing's charter to build a brand and the importance of yeah. building a brand. And I, the biggest mistake I've made as a CMO is not having the patience to invest mm-hmm. in building a brand and mm-hmm. be comfortable. Like, I'm not going to see the result I want in month one, quarter one, or maybe even year one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I know you a little bit, and I, I'm not surprised you're not patient. You seem to be... I'm a math guy, right? Yeah, you're incredibly driven. Yeah, yeah, no, you seem to be incredibly driven. I really, I really like that. Um, wh- and, and it's great to, it's great to discover um, a, a great project like this and to, and to share it. And um, I'm always talking to people about creating these content hubs, and, it, and that's a great um, case study, I think, that you're going to have there. And I'm, I hope it's going to be successful. Now, um, we're, we're coming to the end of our time. I could talk to you all day. We could go back to, you know, coding in basic on the TI-99 4A. Absolutely. I'd love to do that. But... Um, you know, we have a regular feature, as you know, on Rockstar CMO. We have the swim pool where we chuck all the bullshit and crap and snake oil of our industry. I think some of it we may have covered already. Um, last time we chatted in 2018, you threw technology into the yeah. Rockstar CMO pool, which I loved. And I've and we've had a couple of conversations about uh, tech in the pages of Rockstar CMO. Um, do you stick by that, or have you got a new one? Yeah, I'll stick by it. Like I love technology. Like the thing that the closest thing in marketing to what I used to do as an SE is being a marketing ops, you know, person, yeah. right? Yeah. I love geeking out in marketing ops tools. I love geeking out in analytics tools. I love geeking out predictive analytics and looking at data and trying to make predictions. Like I can do all that stuff. I love yeah. it. Yeah. But we've become so dependent on technology. And like we've been talking about here, this isn't about the technology. It's about the story. And, yeah. and it's about, you know, we have relied, we've just gotten too, we swung the pendulum too far. Right. And I you can blame HubSpot for a lot of this. And, and it was, you know, to earn a seat at the revenue table. Remember that was the saying, marketing's earn a seat at the revenue table. And that was all about just having attribution and MQLs and all all that is still important. 
but we went mm-hmm. so far in the other direction. Mm-hmm. So I'm still going to say that we are still, and now ABM technologies have become the new marketing automation and yeah. we're still hyper obsessed on the technology and not the story. And I think the yeah. story in the end always wins. Yeah. You know, there was a whole bunch of IPOs that happened yesterday or S1s were filed. Sana, yeah, I saw, I saw Snowflake. Yeah. And none of those companies in their S1 talk about their differentiation being their MarTech. Like we are so great at MarTech. No, yeah. but all of them talk about the customers, the problems they solve, the story, their unique perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And and I've focused a whole heck of a lot more there than I mm. focus in the technology. So yeah. yeah, well, features don't win market share anymore, do they? I mean, it's so easy to to level up on features that you need it's the story that you tell around that and how you solve the customer's problems that's important and then i think the other part is the technology hasn't changed you look at the core marketing automation space right (laughs) hubspot i've used all three of these in the past two years hubspot Uh mercado pardot have literally not changed at all fundamentally hubspot maybe a little bit more but marketo hasn't changed at all yeah so you know yes these are fundamental technologies that power what we do but they are yeah. tools and, and they are not the key to earning that seat at the revenue table. The yeah. key to earning a seat at the revenue table, it turns out, is brand. And yeah. I, I believe that in my heart. And I wouldn't have yeah. said that seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. That and growing community, I think, and that's what you're seeing with the record is you're, you're growing a community and that's different from growing MQLs. It's, and and you got to make the bet and the bet has to mm-hmm. be that the MQLs mm-hmm. will come and that there is yeah. a leap of faith but I'm okay with that. I'm okay yeah. with a leap of faith. And, you know, like, and this is where more junior heads of marketing their career aren't yeah. able to make that. And I feel bad. And that's where yeah. I was. I couldn't make that leap of faith seven years ago when I was trying to prove myself. Yeah. I can, I have a little bit more leeway now, but yeah. it's, it's a fatal mistake that sometimes you can only learn the hard way. Yeah. Well, and, and you need a supportive boss and you need a, a good CEO that understands that and people willing to invest in marketing slightly for the longer term and also i always think of it as like a whole bunch of investments that you're you're making and as long as the whole lot sort of gives you a return any you know some of them are going to do it well and some of them aren't and you're you're sort of managing this portfolio aren't you of of things as a cmo um and and you have to make those bets and i I think it's great i think it's great it's been a fascinating conversation tom thank you very much um so for people that don't know where you are if they if people if our listeners spin the dial on the interwebs where will they find you tom my best stuff is on LinkedIn. I'm yeah. a I'm a huge LinkedIn. I think it's yeah. T Wentworth twelve, Tom Wentworth on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. I I force myself to post some quote unquote thought leadership at least uh, once a week, if not a lot more. Oh, you're so, so good. So yeah. feel free to come there and and like yeah. my stuff or dislike it, whatever you want. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll include uh, links to all of that in the show notes. And are you much on Twitter as well, Tom? T Wentworth twelve on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I've scaled Twitter back a little bit, not intentionally, but just because LinkedIn yeah, has become have. so interactive for me. Yeah, I have recently. I think um, I think I first met you through Twitter back in 2009, I think, something mm-hmm. like that. I think that's how we how we started in that same circle and probably started going to the same events and stuff. So it's it's been an absolute pleasure to catch up with you, Tom. Yeah. And I'm speaking and, to you again, mate. And one last thing for you. You know, I always mm-hmm. hated my competitors like <laughs> viscerally hated my competitors, <laughs> but there were certain people I liked and, and, yeah. you know, you were on that short list and others. And I always got the rep for being that sort of aggressive anti-competitor yeah. person. But the reality was some of my closest friends and people I respect the most, I've all competed with at some point and you're on a very yeah. short list there. So. 
Oh, thank you very much. What a, what a way to end. I'm definitely going to have you back. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, and we'll speak soon. Catch up soon, mate. Good luck. All right, cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you, Tom. You can see what I mean by brother from another mother when I was talking about him earlier on in this uh, podcast. I was astonished to learn recently that, like me, Tom cut his youthful technology teeth with a TI-99 4A. Possibly an obscure reference for most of you, but I'll include links to it. Tom's details, recorded future and the record in the show notes. Right, it's Friday evening here at the Rockstar CMO penthouse in London and it's time to take the advice from the article I featured from Robert earlier and take a break from the hustle. And what better way to do this than a cocktail in the virtual Rockstar CMO bar? Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend. I is nice to hear your voice. Um, you know, this week uh, mm. is simple. We're just we're just going simple this week, right? It's just been one of those weeks where, you know, a lot has happened, and mm-hmm. just trying to hang out and trying to just find the simplicity in life. Yes. And so, I'm calling this week's drink the Simply Pleasures, uh, and it's just really. Um, which may actually help you out in terms of the ingredients you have. In your <laughs> uh, I was going to say, just, simple is good for me. <laughs> yeah, wonderful new tequila that I've discovered called Grand Mayan Ultra Aged. Um, it needs nothing. But I put just a squeeze of lime and just a couple of drops of cranberry bitters in for a very simple pleasure. So that, it's uh, That sounds delicious. That wonderful. sounds delicious. Yeah. Now, very simple. All right. Well, I'm going to have a look at uh, exactly what I've got here. Ah, I've got some gin. I've got Bombay <laughs> Sapphire this week. As simple as it gets, and it is distilled. Yeah, it is. It is simple. I, let's let's slug a bit in here. All right. Maybe a bit more. Oh yeah. And then um, I I could just I suppose I could just plonk some lime in it, but I don't, I don't have any lime on me on my desk at the moment. So that's going to need a bit of tonic. Oh, it's ah, nice. Yes, uh, it's always a simple Ooh. pleasure. Oh, that, that's that's uh, that's quite simple. Oh, that's very nice. That's very nice and know. simple, and uh, really does uh, fit with our regular Friday concoction. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think so. Nice and simple. And um, what did you say that was called again? That was. I'm just calling it simply pleasures. Simply pleasures. Right, like a little bit of nice. play on simple pleasures, but it's simply a pleasure. Nice. And where would we drink these, brother? Well, you know, I've been in the mood this uh, week. To be honest, I've uh, I've had. Um, uh, and I don't know if you're a fan or not, but I I, mm-hmm. I am a fan of country and western music. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have, uh, you know, I, I've been in Los Angeles and locked down for. Oh my gosh! You know, a long time now since yeah. March. So yeah. I'm I'm feeling the need for a trip to Nashville, oh. um, and Nashville is just a great, wonderful place. And, and yeah, yeah, there's some great bars there where we can have you know just seedy little dive bars uh, in the middle of Nashville where we can hear some really good country western music and drink some yeah. simple whiskey or 
gin or yeah. tequila or this yeah. particular drink. Yeah, yeah, that sounds fantastic. I've uh, I've never been to Nashville. I usually like to chime in with my own stories on on many of your lovely stories, <laughs> but I got nothing when it comes to Nashville. That, I, but it's 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 on the it's on the list. It's definitely on the list of of where I'd love to go. And it's surprising, really, because a lot of, um, there was a bit of a time where people were having their conferences and stuff down there and choosing different places from going to bloody Las Vegas every year, weren't they? So. Um, I would love to go to Nashville. It sounds nice. Absolutely, yeah. It's a great place for. It's a wonderful place for for having a conference and yeah. you know, great food, great yeah. people, great bars. It's yeah. just uh, it's a cool place. Yeah, no, it sounds fantastic. And um, and so we're we're in a seedy bar, which I love <laughs> the idea of anyway. Um, and we're drinking whatever. I mean, we're hoping it's going to be a really nice tequila because you do enjoy a nice tequila, and I I guess that we'd find something slightly less seedy, but. As we sit and sit these simple drinks, uh, what are we going to be talking about? You know, I think the interesting thing that I've been putting a lot of thought into, and maybe it's just top of mind because we're actually working with clients right now on Uh this, you know, our uh, in-house content studios, um, especially in B2C for consumer packaged goods companies. Mm -hmm. It's a trend we've been seeing for a while where, you know, these consumer packaged goods companies that are moving faster and faster into a direct to consumer model um, and starting to, you know, navigate the weird uncharted waters of channel conflict with retailers, but quite frankly, moving quickly into an e-commerce model of direct to consumer and how they need more content than ever, not just to support their retailers, but also to support their blogs, their social, their digital channels as they start driving direct to consumer and Mm -hmm. transactions on their own properties. And it's an interesting thing because what we're seeing is, is that there's a real challenge right now with agencies meeting this model, um, in any kind of strategic way. And so these B2C companies are really, you know, they're out there sort of all looking at each other saying, what's the right operating yeah. model and nobody has a really good answer for it yet right. so it's it's been fun to explore yeah interesting and um is are they are they are they buying agencies and bringing bringing the expertise in like that or are they just you know, creating these studios themselves yeah it it's it's a bit of all of the above mm-hmm. um you know what we're seeing is you've got um some companies are acquiring agencies you know yeah. where they're acquiring literal, you know, boutique web design, ad agencies, design agencies, app development agencies, and just doing what is, you know, what the kids are calling aqua hires these days, where Mm -hmm. they basically acquire 20 or 30 people in a, in, in one fell swoop. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you see others that are starting to say, okay, well, let's build it, you know, organically, let's just hire. And then you've got some that are outsourcing it. There are actual agencies now being built where, what they'll do is they'll actually give you a team, right? You call up the agency and you say, I need a content studio. And they'll say, you know, literally give us a shopping list. You need four video people, two audio people, a few bloggers, an editorialist, mm-hmm. a, you know, et cetera. And they'll fulfill a bill of materials on people and stick those people. And you basically pay the agency a retainer fee and they yeah. handle all of the employment costs. So we're seeing a lot of different models take shape. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's been an interesting trend to see which ones are actually starting to work. Yeah. And why do you think you're seeing that? I mean, apart from, I think one week we discussed the fact that 
change is constantly marketing everybody's trying to reinvent everything and you're insourcing one week and outsourcing the next week but what do you um do you think this is a why do you think brands are choosing to do this is this a control thing or are they um are they uh um or or, or are the agencies not doing a great job for them both i think i think you know the need for content is real um, you know, Absolutely. and these are companies that have historically not necessarily, uh, created as much, you know, they still create a lot of content, let's be clear, but, but the exponential levels of those who are, you know, interfacing directly with consumers is, is, is stark, right? Mm-hmm. So if you've got a manufacturer of, uh, consumer goods, um, you know, their, their main, uh, you know, content creation and marketing efforts have been relationships with their retailers. And so it's ostensibly been managing a hundred or 200 retailers rather than millions of customers and, and their websites and digital channels all reflect that, right? They don't have, you know, but many of them now are building big e-commerce engines that are competing with Amazon. They're building big catalogs. They're building big, uh, you know, journalism properties, you know, to attract traffic from search They're mm-hmm. you know, they're out there actively competing for the attention of the consumer mm-hmm. and, you know, they've got great brands to support them, but not infrastructures to be able to do it. So mm-hmm. the need for content is real and the supply that they're getting from their agencies who have quite frankly been focused on helping them support retailers for the mm-hmm. last decade, mm-hmm. you know, that knowledge, that strategy just isn't there. And so mm. they're not getting good results from their agency. So they're out. So these heads of brand and heads of digital and heads of marketing are out there going, who's doing it well? Yeah. Yeah. I've um, similarly, I mean, we don't rehearse any of these questions. So I think it's quite interesting that um, I've also been working with a technology um, client who actually provides systems to help photo studios be efficient. And I, I interviewed a bunch of their customers to um, as part of a part of the work we were doing. And it was interesting to find that if by in-housing and by systemizing what they were doing, they brought incredible efficiencies that the agencies just don't do. And even, you know, a few years ago when I worked in a large agency, there's no workflow, there's shared drives, there's manual processes, there's bits of paper flying around, there's people walking around the office trying to find out what the creative has got up to. And there's timesheets. None of that stuff is integrated. Is it anything like that? Do you think if a, if um, if an organization in-houses, they sort of build the practice from scratch and therefore, and, and they have this different view about creative production than maybe an agency does? Well, that's true for sure, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you know, the, you know, you get into two, two challenges, right? Which is how good does it need to be? Yeah. In other words, you know, does everything need to be an A-level photo shoot or does everything yeah. need to be an A-level video feature film directed by Steven Spielberg? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, when you're literally just filming the inside of an oven. Yeah. I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Or does it need to be beautiful and thought through from a technology standpoint to figure out how you're creating as many assets as you need to create and reuse yeah. and repurpose and reconfigure them? Yeah. And so it needs both sets of thinking um, and, and the real balance for resourcing for the, you know, for the brand is, well, how much on one side do we really build in house versus how much do we outsource? Because it's, you know, it's, it is executional, right. You mm-hmm. know, and so 
for this product launch, we are going to hire Steven Spielberg to do the to do yeah. the, the product beauty shots. And for this one, no, it's not as big a product launch, so we'll just have Joe do it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, are you saying there's a sort of a disconnect between the demands of e-commerce and the sort of the content supply chain and efficiencies that are needed in order to react <laughs> versus the way Is that mar- shocking? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> versus the way that marketing. That there's a disconnect between the needs of business and the ability to produce content, I'm shocked. I'm shocked at such a thing. And 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 so you, you we, we believe that the brands are, are bringing that in house in order to take control. I think that's. I think brands are bringing it in house in order to 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 get the job done right. Yeah. Um. And there is a belief, I think, unproven, mm-hmm. that you know that in-house will be more scalable, yeah. um, that it will work in a more efficient manner because you're building an institutional muscle to be able to do it. Yeah. I, you know, and I think it, it will be, it, it remains to be seen what balance should be completely yeah. outsourced, uh, which, you know, which part of it should be completely insourced and which model should be some hybrid. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you're seeing it. So, um, I, I guess you're, you're not seeing consistent pattern yet. Otherwise you'd have shared that, but, one of the things I was wondering was, are these brands just as good at attracting the talent as an agency would? And uh, uh, do do creatives and content professionals want to work for brands rather than working for these agencies? I think that's a mixed bag. I think it really mm-hmm. depends on the brand, what I'm yeah. discovering, right? You know, I mean, look, Apple is fairly well known. I don't think I'm throwing mm-hmm. anybody under a bus here, but Apple is fairly well known as being one of the sexiest brands that nobody wants to work for because it's just a... It's just a hard place to work. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's that kind of thing, right? Where yeah. the brand may be very sexy and people want to, you know, want that on their business card. Very creative yeah. people want that on their business card. And and the question is, what are they willing to put up with to, to, yeah. to go do it? And then from the brand side, it's, yeah, recruiting is hard, right? You know, mm-hmm. it, for many young people, the lure of the agency world where you get to work on a lot of different sexy things rather yeah. than a marathon that is one brand can be very very hard to break but you know what i find is is that people sort of naturally move to one or the other right yeah 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 and and like you say i mean it's it's very brand dependent isn't it about how sexy your brand is but and that's a that's an interesting trend and and um what any predictions or how do you think this is going to play out you know, I don't know the way it's going to play out, but I but mm-hmm. I sus- I have my suspicions that you're going to start to see that hybrid model really, um, mm-hmm. you know, as, as you know, once we get out of the nonsense that is 2020, um, <laughs> I think you're going to see some fluidity when it comes to moving resources in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some interesting agency models that I think are, are looking at that sort of, mm-hmm. you know, where you insource the strategic players that you need to be, you know, that sort of, you know, like not to bring a sports metaphor into this, but mm-hmm. sort of your, your skill players that you put on long-term contracts, right. Yeah. Um, so that you make sure that they're insourced and valuable and going to be with the institution for a while. And then yeah. those that you need to bring in for a season or bring in for a project will be, will be largely, um, mm-hmm. hybrid from a, from an agency kind of model. Right. But so, but from a strategy perspective, so where you play really, are you, are you say, saying that, um, the, st- the strategists and the planners and the people who are deciding on these programs are going to be in-house and the execution will be the people they bring in? 
Yes, I think yeah. you know. Look to 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 bolster my own business model for <laughs> seconds. Um, I think the building of the architecture for such is one you can outsource, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I fit that category, right? There are sort of architects that you bring in to help architect out a organization yeah. and a structure and a governance plan and a technology yeah. plan. But then once that's done, I think yeah. you have to insource the strategic ongoing yeah. management of it. Yeah, yeah, you've built the machine. And then you you need you need the people that are going to keep up with the planning. That's really interesting. That's a really interesting trend you're seeing there, Robert. And, and thanks for sharing it with us. And thank you for this uh, delightful cocktail. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Simply pleasures. Yes. And is this something you've written about on your website? Uh, in varying degree, yes, but mm-hmm. not uh, not um, not in any sort of particular way. I am thinking of writing something on it. Mm. Uh, well, when you do, I'll, I'll definitely share it. And if and when you do, where will they find it? They will find it at my lovely website, which is contentadvisory.net. And as I ask every time, if the uh, if the listeners spin the dial on the interwebs, where will they find you? They'll find me there at contentadvisory.net, mm-hmm. or they may find me on any of the social channels, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, luckily, these days, because the jeweler, Robert Rose, is dead, um, oh. I... Fine. I typically come to the top of the linking. Uh, so yes. search your <laughs> Yes, I think we've discussed before. It's me and this judge in the, in yeah. London that compete. Right? Yeah, he's 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 got a few years on me, so it might be that I'll uh, I'll win eventually the long game. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, thank you very much, Robert. And uh, will I see you next week? You will indeed. Thank you, Robert. As we mentioned, you can find Robert at contentadvisory.net. And I'd also recommend tuning into his podcast, The Weekly Wrap and This Old Marketing, all of which I will include in the links in the show notes. That's a wrap on episode 25 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. And thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. Thanks again to Robert Rose, Tom Wentworth. And if you like my guests, please give them a mention, click their links, follow them and take a look at their work. I really appreciate their time. So please show them some love. You'll find all the links in the show notes, which we'll post at rockstarcmo.com forward slash podcast. Most of all, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you did and you think the world needs another effing marketing podcast, drop us some feedback or a review. Subscribe, share, or just listen. I'm glad you're here. Next week, we'll have a new monthly issue of Rockstar CMO published to discuss. I have an interview with Ian Lowe, CMO of digital experience platform vendor Crown Peak scheduled in my calendar and i'll definitely be trying another one of robert's delicious cocktails but until then i've been your host ian truscott founding editor of rockstarcmo.com and i hope you'll join us again next week here at rockstar cmo fm You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? 
Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.